It is indeed all about Jesus. And today our scripture passage is one of those red letter passages because it comes straight from his words. We'll be looking at the gospel of Mark chapter 13. Now, in your bulletin, it says 1 through 8, but we're actually going to go a little further and go through verse 10 of Mark chapter 13. You can follow along in your copy of God's Word or on the screen. And if you are physically able, would you stand now in reverence and honor for the reading of God's Word? As Jesus was leaving the temple... One of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. You see all these great buildings, replied Jesus. Not one stone will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? And Jesus said to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, claiming, I am he, and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. You must be on your guard. You'll be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come and we ask that you would take these words that come from your Son, Jesus, and use them to draw us closer to him, to make us more faithful, more obedient, and more loving Christians in love with you and showing love toward you and towards others. God, we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. It's a pretty popular saying these days. And while most folks know the common meaning, that is don't buy into this thing that everybody else is buying into, a lot of folks, especially if you're a I don't know, maybe under 40 or under 50, probably don't have any idea where that saying came from. You see, there was a preacher back in the, uh, I think he started preaching in the 50s, set up a church in, uh, in Indianapolis, became well known, and his ministry grew and grew. And over the years, he eventually moved to the San Francisco area. He was a kind of progressive preacher, and so he was a, he was a media darling. Everyone, including politicians, were praising this man and the work of his church, and, and, and things were 
just growing. He once had a membership of thousands upon thousands of members in his church. But in the late 70s, suddenly, he started getting more scrutiny. People started examining his movement, his ministry, and they started seeing things that, that didn't add up and didn't seem right. And he started kind of becoming withdrawn and closed off from these people. I, don't, uh, I haven't seen this, the, the documentation, but I've heard that at one point his message became more about him and less about the gospel. And I've been told that he once held out the Bible and said, don't listen to this, listen to me. Well, in the late 1970s, as things were getting tough and he came under scrutiny, Jim Jones moved his congregation, known as the People's Temple, down to a remote uh, country in South America. In fact, if you haven't heard of Jim Jones and his story, you probably don't even know the name of the country. It's Guyana, next to Venezuela. And he moved his bunch down there to get away, and as everything started closing in on him and the game was up, he ended up commanding his followers to drink poison, poisoned Kool-Aid. And they all drank it, and over 900 people died that day. It was, in fact, until 9-11, the greatest non-natural uh, loss of civilian life in the U.S. history, and it's still only behind 9-11. That's what a great tragedy it was. So when we say don't drink the Kool-Aid, we're saying don't buy in to a guy like Jim Jones. Don't buy in to those who are out there who would leave you astray, even if they're popular, even if folks are saying good things about them. We need to be very cautious. And I think that phrase, don't drink the Kool-Aid, gets across exactly the mindset that Jesus wants his disciples to understand in this passage. The story starts with Jesus and his disciples in Jerusalem near the temple, and they see the temple, and they just can't help but comment on it. Out of the blue, you know, you ever see these things, you just can't help but comment? Maybe it's the way someone's dressed, and you're like, ooh, do you see that? Or, or maybe it's a brand new building, and you're like, whoa, where'd that come from? Last time I drove past here, it was all woods. Well, this was not a brand new building or, or someone's crazy clothing choice, but the temple was magnificent. It was an amazing structure. Uh, Herod the Great had spent year upon year pouring all sorts of money into this structure, and it was magnificent. And the disciples said, look, Jesus, do you see that temple? Wow, isn't it amazing? And Jesus said, uh, well, maybe right now, but soon there's coming a day in which not a single one of these gigantic stones will be left on another. And they began talking about, they moved from that into a talk of the end times, the end days. And they began learning how they could be ready and how they could avoid being deceived, how they could avoid being brought, caught up with these folks who are going around spreading crazy theories and trying to pull them in. And so this morning, I want us to see how we can, just like 
Jesus wanted the, his original disciples to avoid that kind of error, how you and I can avoid end times error. We begin with verse 1 and 2. And Jesus would have us not be complacent. Number one, don't be complacent. The disciples assumed that just because that this temple was going to be there forever. That's why Jesus wanted to shake them up by saying, guess what? There's not going to be one on another. It's going to be completely destroyed. We get used to thinking that the way life is today is necessarily going to be the way life is tomorrow. We begin to start to, to think, you know, everything that's in my comfort zone, the way that I'm used to doing life, it's just going to always be this way. And I don't really have to worry about anything changing. And, and, and it's all going to be good. It's all going to be this way forever. And see, the disciples had unknowingly put some of their faith rather than in God. They would extend some of it to their surroundings, to that holy temple that they thought would be there forever. And Jesus said, no, this temple's not going to be around forever. And you see, there's an expanded version of that, that that Peter talks about in 2 Peter chapter 3. There's a lot of folks in this world that Peter says, they think, oh, what's this whole second coming thing that people talk about? You know, the world's been going on the same way Always. It's, it, let's just, in fact, let's just look at that passage real quick. Second Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 3, Peter says this, Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. So basically, these are big-time skeptics. They will say, where is this coming, he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. So there's this argument that there's, there's not going to be any world ending. Everything's going to be fine. But look what Peter has to say. But they deliberately forget. In other words, this is willful ignorance. They deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being. And the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters... Also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. And it's a great, we don't have time, but man, you ought to go back and read that chapter. It's a great chapter. See, because a lot of folks, Christians, even though they know there's some stuff about a second coming, they know there's some stuff about the end of the world, they're kind of like, well, all that stuff's in Revelation, and Revelation's kind of creepy, or I don't understand it, so I'm just not going to think about it. Well, Revelation is indeed hard to understand. we got a great class that we've been walking through Revelation on Wednesday night. Alan's done a fantastic job with that. But you know what? You don't have to understand all of Revelation to know the truth is that Jesus is coming again, and that there is going to come an end to this world. And Peter said, no matter how much you want to make your wishful thinking that there's no accountability coming, he said the past shows us the truth. We already know, number one, this earth came into being from nothing. It was created. Number two, we know that this earth has already been destroyed once by water during the flood. And he said, number three, God promised, see, we know that promise, remember, of the, of the rainbow, that God's not going to destroy the earth by water again. He said, this time, there's coming a future destruction by fire. Now, it's not 
you know, no hope because God's going to recreate the earth, he goes on to say. But we can't fall, be lulled into this complacency that says, hey, everything's going to just keep being the same, and I don't really have to worry about any accountability or, or anything coming. We've got to be ready for Jesus' coming. We've got to know that this world is headed toward a certain day. Jesus will come again, and we know that there is a day in which this current earth will be destroyed. Second, don't be gullible. Don't be gullible. If you're going to avoid end times error, don't be gullible. Jesus says, many will come in my name. Do not be surprised when there are false prophets, when there are false teachers, when there are people that come along and, and make up crazy stuff, whether, whether it's David Koresh or Jim Jones or those folks that, you know, were following the Hale-Bob comment. And, you know, every few years there's these guys that come along and, and they have some wacko theory. And then there's others that are false prophets that they're not quite so wacky. They don't lead their groups into suicide, but they lead their groups into the destruction of people's lives as they follow error into destruction. And he says, don't be gullible. He says, many will come in my name. This should not surprise us. So see, those of us who even do think about, well, there's some bad stuff coming, sometimes we simply relegate that to, ooh, there's, there's the Antichrist that is coming, and we got to watch out for him one day. But Jesus didn't just say there was one person to watch out for. He said, there are many who will come in my name. In fact, there were false messiahs in Judea that had come. If you talk to anybody who knows about that history, there were a lot of false Christ, false messiahs that had showed up before Jesus, and there were others that would follow after him. I mean, that was just a normal pattern. Again, other scripture uh, confirms this. 1 John 2.18 says this, Dear children, this is the last hour as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. So the beloved apostle John, he's saying, now you can better believe the Antichrist, capital A Antichrist, we might say, that he is coming one day and he will try to deceive people. But he said there's little lowercase a Antichrist that are already out there right now. They're already, and, and they, have, they didn't just stop in that day. Antichrist, that is those who are false professors, those who, who teach false doctrine and try to lead people astray, they've been around since the days that the New Testament was being written, and they continue and will continue all the way up until the big bad capital A Antichrist comes along. And so throughout history, often people have tried to identify, well, this person is the Antichrist or this person is the Antichrist, you know, and, and that's an interesting game to play. But what you can say is if someone is a false prophet, if they're leading people astray, they are a Antichrist. They are someone who is going against Christ and his teaching. And so we don't need to be gullible. We don't need to buy into anybody if they come along and they happen to hold a Bible, and they happen to use some religious words, we need to be prepared that we know God's truth well so we're not deceived. We should not be caught unaware that there's going to be false teachers that will arise inside and outside the church. 
Third thing that I see Jesus trying to help his disciples with is don't overreact. Don't overreact. You see, there's this, there's this one side of we're, we're going to not believe that anything is, is ever coming. But there's this other side where we, yes, we think the, the end is coming. We think there's a time of tribulation coming. We think there's something, you know. And, and so then every little thing that happens, every time we open up the newspaper and, and there's another war or there's another disaster, <gasps> oh, my goodness. You know, this must be the end right now. Let's buy a bunch of canned goods. Let's build a little cave. Let, let's, let's escape from everything because the end of the world is here. Jesus says, don't overreact. Listen, to his exact words are, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. In other words, hey, bad things are going to happen. They had just asked, what's the sign, Jesus, of your coming? He said, there's going to be wars, and there's going to be rumors of wars. <laughs> rumors of wars. It's almost like he predicted the Internet, right? There's rumors going around all over the place about this thing and that thing and the other thing, bad things that are going to happen. And you know what Jesus said? Uh, Tim paraphrase is don't freak out, okay? Don't go ballistic just because some bad stuff is happening. Bad stuff has happened. It's going to keep on happening. In fact, if, if we go on and, and read a little more about the wars and rumors of wars, he says such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. Now listen to this. These are the beginning of birth pains. What Jesus is saying here says... Yeah, something's coming, but it doesn't mean it's happening right now. Now, I, I am not an expert on the, the subject of pregnancy and delivery. But I do know this, that usually the first time that a woman has some contractions, generally speaking, she's not right then going to have the baby. Usually there's some what's known as false contraction or Braxton Hicks or, you know, and, and the baby's coming. It's growing inside there. It's coming. But you don't have to think, okay, right now this is it. And that's what Jesus is saying when he says when you see these natural disasters and these wars occurring in your world, they are signs that it's coming. It is definitely there that the, the second coming of Christ is on its way. History is pregnant with an appointment for a day that Jesus comes again. But that doesn't mean that it is th that day yet. It's just you're feeling that baby kick in there. It's just you're feeling like it's getting close to time. So what we should do when we see the wars and the rumors of wars, when we see the famines, when we see the epidemics, uh, when we see the earthquakes and hurricanes and tornadoes, what we should be reminded of is, hey, Jesus is coming again. Hey, there is a time in which the world will be judged. Hey, you know, there's, I don't have forever. I need to be about the Lord's business and his work right now. Because that day is coming. And that day could be today, but not necessarily. We don't know exactly when that day is, so we should always be ready. Fourth and finally, 
Don't obsess. Don't obsess. In Matthew uh, chapter 24, Jesus is talking again with his disciples uh, about the second coming and the the end times. and, And he says, no man knows the day or the hour. That's Matthew 24, 36. You know, it's interesting. Jesus has said, no one knows the day or the hour, not even the angels, but only God the Father. And you would think that that'd be into the story right there, right? No one knows the day or the hour. We cannot predict exactly when it's going to be. But I've heard people say, well, we don't know the day or the hour, but we can know the month, the week, or the year, because Jesus didn't say, come on here. Jesus made it as plain as could be. You're not going to be able to predict this. But constantly there's people out there trying to predict the exact day. I've told you before, I remember, I guess because I was, I was in high school and I was, you know, at, at, right when this came out. But I remember back in 1988 and my church growing up was one of those that was always preaching about prophecy and all this stuff. And so this is kind of a big deal in our church. But there was a guy who wrote a book called 88 Reasons Jesus is Going to Come Back in 1988. And it was a bestseller, man. I mean, people bought all kind of copies of this book, and they were all excited. Well, unless we all missed it, Jesus didn't come in 1988, okay? I hope he didn't, because I'm still here. So, you know what was interesting is, that old fellow that wrote that book, he didn't quit. Do you know that he wrote another bestseller called 89 Reasons Jesus is Going to Come in 1989? And people bought it again. Now, after that, he quit, okay? People, people, I guess they decided, fool me three times, it's my fault, because no one, you know, he didn't write any more books. And, but people have done that. I, I just know so many people who get obsessed with figuring out the exact day that Jesus is coming and putting that on their calendar rather than being focused on doing Jesus' work. Let's make a comparison Let's imagine that you are married to someone who, um, we'll just say they're in the military and, and they're getting sent overseas, and this is not a set deployment where we know, hey, it's four years. They're sent over for some special mission, and you don't know whether it's going to be a month, two months, three months, and you are like, I cannot wait till they come again. I cannot wait till they come back. And you be- become obsessive about it. And you read all of the news you can. You go on the dark web trying to figure out stuff. I mean, you try to find out exactly when they're coming back. And, and you set up this, this big party and this big plan so that when they show, get off that plane and come home, there's a banner. And you're like, yes, you're back. And you're all excited. But the problem is when your spouse gets home, uh, they see that the lights have been turned off. And they see no one has cleaned since 1989, and everything is just a wreck. And they're like, what did you do while I was gone? And you're like, oh, well, I was so excited about you coming home that I put all this effort into this great party that I threw for you. And your spouse is probably going to say, well, if you'd have loved me, really loved me, you'd have taken care of business at home. And I'm afraid there's a lot of Christians that are like that crazy person in this made-up story. That they're like, oh, Jesus, we love you. Can't wait till you come again. And and we're trying to figure out exactly when you're coming. And we're looking forward to that day. And yet, all along, all the things that Jesus told them to do 
in his word. All the times he said, there's coming a day when you're going to stand before me and you're going to answer for every idle word. And, and here's, I've given you gifts and I want you to be about the work of the kingdom. I want you to be about loving people and spreading my word. They've forgotten all of that because they're so focused on that little homecoming party that they've forgotten all the things that they should be doing out of love for Christ. And, you know, that kind of thinking is what brings along the phrase. You may have heard it before. There's a phrase, they're so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. May that not ever be said for us. Because someone who is truly heavenly minded, who truly is looking for that day that the Lord Jesus appears again, they are going to be motivated out of love for him to live for him, to share his message, to spread his love to everybody that they can. Not this crazy obsessive thing of figuring out the day he's coming back, but rather a love and a focus knowing he is coming back. And I don't have to worry because Jesus already told me I'm not going to figure it out when it's going to be. So I just need to be ready for whenever it is. So putting these things together, not being complacent, not being gullible, not overreacting and not obsessing, it, it really comes together one big thing, and that is we need to be ready. We need to be aware. We need to be on guard. We need to know Jesus is coming again. We don't need to be all fearful about that. We don't need to be obsessive about that. But we also don't need to be complacent about it. We need to be ready to say, come, Lord Jesus. I can't wait till you come again. But whenever you come, whether it's now or the end of my life, or if it's another 2,000 years, it doesn't matter because I'm going to live my life every day in a way that any day you show up, I'll be happy to see you and you'll be happy with the work I've done for you. On, our, on his mission. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we get so complacent so easily. We, we, we are led astray so easily. So, Father, help us to be sober-minded. Help us to be ready that there is a devil who walks around, a roaring lion, waiting to devour those, to eat them up. Those who are off guard, those who aren't just right there locked in with you. Father, and spiritually speaking, we don't want to be eaten up. Father, we want to flourish. We want to grow closer to you. We know what you've done in the past on Calvary. Lord, we know what you're doing right now as your Holy Spirit is within us, guiding us, as your son Jesus is at your right hand interceding for us. And Father, we know what you're going to do in the future. And we don't have to worry about when, because we're assured that it will happen. And we simply have to live for you. Help us to do that, to be ready, alert, and aware, and to avoid these end times errors that have been around since the days of the apostles and will continue until you come. Give us the love and devotion for you to avoid these errors and to live lives that honor you, God. We pray and we ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.